When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hello and welcome along to The Worst Idea of All Time, Season 4, Episode 27. I'm Guy Montgomery. Tim Bat is frantically throwing back a piece of toast. Uh, can you do a couple of chews close to the microphone, Tim, to prove to everyone I'm, I'm telling the truth? Oh, yeah, that's enough. Uh, that's grisly. No, you like... I oh, know, you hate that. Although we were experimenting with ASMR recently. Um, I am in Sydney, Australia. Tim... Auckland, New Zealand. Um, I did the thing I actually chastised you for recently, Tim, wherein I did a, I put an hour of work, <laughs> put in an hour of solid work last night, um, just trying to, you know, break this thing into digestible chunks or like, you know, in, ensure that I had some semblance of life. It wasn't actually quite an hour. I went to bed. My goal was to make it to the wedding day. So I went to bed um, full of hope. Full of promise, actually. I sort of saw a frame of Carrie emerging from her uh, dressing room in her wedding dress, and I thought, oh, my God, you've got no fucking idea what's coming. And I went and tucked myself in uh, and then got up, you know, to face just the absolute mess. Sort of, it's, it's not a dissimilar feeling to, um, I, I don't know, like if you, if you, I, I've read about it in a book by John Ronson called So You've Been Publicly Shamed, where someone sends out a tweet thinking they're sending a funny tweet before a flight, and then they land, and they're, they're in the middle of a social media maelstrom, uh, where, you know, I went to sleep thinking, well, Carrie, maybe this is, the, this is the week, maybe this time things will work out, and I got up, and, I mean, to no one's surprise, it was a mess. She got jilted once more, uh, and then they just faffed around for another, what, hour and I love how 45? I treat- I love how you treat this media product, that it is um, an actual fact of play that you're attending twice weekly, it's see got, who's, uh, who's yeah. turned up, who's doing a good performance, how it stacks up against last week. Look, this isn't a new phenomenon, but it does. It really does tickle me that you've uh, persisted with this particular style I, of watch. I, it's, it's honestly uh, uh, a coping mechanism. Um, if, sure. I, if I believe there's the opportunity for deviation, the movie becomes slightly less haunting. Uh, mm. And actually, you—I listened yesterday to uh, a radio interview after you fired out a tweet, yes. um, and a quite a prominent New Zealand broadcaster actually went to the trouble of reaching out to you to make sure you were okay. He did. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm talking to you on the phone, so I can't pull up the tweet verbatim. But I basically said, uh, "Look, I, I cannot bring myself to watch Sex in the City again." And uh, Jesse Mulligan, who is the host of our 7 o'clock current events uh, nightly show, and he's also a, a prominent radio person on our state broadcaster, he got one of his producers to get in touch and was basically just checking in yeah, <laughs> to, see, uh, to see how I was coping. So that was very nice. And in actual fact, I thought, Guy, with your permission, it might be, um, no, I might just tack that on the end of this episode or just fang it on so people can have a listen to that. Oh, mate, fill your boots. Um <laughs> The quality of these audio records and what goes out into the public sphere, as far as I'm concerned, is none of my business. Uh, well, so, you know, you were in a despondent state. Um, you know, I guess the, the mental preparation that you had to do heading into the watch this week, it looked like you were sort of not doing so well. How did you find the actual watch? What was the situation? Really, really, really bad. And it's hard when you start to run out of language because it's kind of like... 
trying to think of a non-inflammatory example. Um, I guess if you call someone an asshole enough times and, and then they're being a real asshole, it's like, what word do you have left, you know, to pull yeah. out the bag? So I... Um, well, do you know, that's, in, that, in that situation, what you're describing, mm. you would just cut that person out of your life. You'd stop talking to them. It's not that you'd need to delve deeper to find different language. You'd be like, well, yes. this person obviously has no place in my life. Not yeah, an option. The situation. Although for most people, I would say work would be the place where that happens and you can't just sort of cut your boss out or something like that. Um, I'll, I'll give you a bit of context for my viewing, Monty, um, up top. So I uh, haven't been sleeping great lately. A uh, combination of the humidity and this gorgeous wee pup who um, needs to go out to go to the toilet sort of two or three times a night. He's been quite sick recently as well. So we have to take mm. him out, make sure he goes. He's been um, acting up a little bit and doing some less than solid, incredibly stinky poos inside, which is not good doggy behavior. So we're, we're just trying to get that trained out of him. And um, Isn't it? La- that's so much worse than a solid poo, isn't it? Oh, the cleanup is. Like, uh, the, yeah, the cleanup's worse because you're, you're actually dealing with the... If it's solid, you can just sort of pick it up with something between your fingers and the poo. Totally. And distribute it, no trouble. But if it's if it's sloppy, you're in trouble. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the smell is very different for a, a sort of um, diarrhea style scenario. So with that in mind, um, my wife's usually been getting up. Zoe's been getting up to sort of look after this pooch. Um, and I was I was like, you know, I'll, I'll take this one and. Uh, you know, I I don't know if everyone has this. I am a very bad sleeper. I'm very bad at sleep. So I have a window, and it's pretty small, where I could go to sleep. And if I miss that window, I'm fucked. And for last night, that window was about sort of 10.30 p.m., which was about one-third the way through my watch of the movie. So that, that window closed. That train sailed. And then I was just... Uh, I, so what? I finished it like uh, midnight-ish, something around there, and I was trying to just get off to sleep, and the dog started making a bit of noise because he's in a crate. So we, I let him out, and he just like in a split second ran under a desk in our bedroom and took a huge shit. And I was like, okay, good, good stuff. So then you know all this sort of accoutrement with that, and then yeah. So anyway, all that to say, I've had two hours sleep, and the watch was absolutely ghastly. I couldn't believe it. Here was the, th- the big thought that was running through my head last night was, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just pixels on a screen now and random vibrations that are hitting my eardrums. There's no real meaning behind it, or there's nothing being transmitted to me. It's just static. I feel like an alien trying to interpret a radio signal that they don't have the equipment for. What is undeniably a film that has been captured in both audio and visual, uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I've watched it. I understand what you're articulating, but what I watched was definitely a coherent uh, assembly of pictures and noises. It has been reduced to what? Just rubble, just white noise, digital yeah. rubble. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it. Oh, man, that's crazy. I actually, um, against all odds, was pleasantly surprised by the company this week that's not to say i enjoyed myself but you know you're grading against a pretty uh interesting curve here Mm. where i thought i don't know what i was i don't know what was happening uh but i was sort of i was really having a red hot go at just being like okay let's watch this for the first time and obviously that's that's impossible uh but i don't know it was it was not um it wasn't as frustrating as I imagined. Like I, I there were there were a few moments uh, where I got annoyed. I remember like one of the last, or not last things, but something I did do last night. I had a very exciting moment. You know when uh, Carrie, when Big reveals the the beautiful wardrobe he's put in the um, heaven on fifth, and Carrie says double doors, very nice. Yeah. I just had this overwhelm like in my mind I painted such a vivid picture just this overwhelming urge for the, the doors to open and he hasn't actually installed this beautiful walk-in wardrobe what he's done is he's just put double doors uh in front of just a sheer drop 30 th- 33 floors straight down to 5th Avenue so it's mm-hmm. just like he has installed the most dangerous set of double doors in the world in their apartment 
no wardrobe, just big going out in his own saying, it's my house, I bought it, this is what I want to put in. And um, just the sort of difference that that would make to the rest of the movie because I don't know that it's not a fight that they wouldn't get over, but uh, certainly would put a spanner in the works in terms of marriage. I mean... Was, it sounds like she might die. No, 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 she doesn't step out. The door's oh. open. She steps as though she's like, oh my gosh, this wardrobe, and then just steps up to this sheer drop. Um and sort of does like a whoa, you know, like arms spinning. You know, when you lose Like balance. Sonic the Hedgehog when you go up to an edge or a exactly. ledge rather. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just the idea of this sort of new character lurking in the background of every scene inside of that tremendous penthouse. I mean, it would damage the resale value, no doubt. It would break all sorts of uh, like you know construction laws. But um, I don't know. I mean, if they've got so much money... Start having a bit of fun with it. Don't put a wardrobe in your house. Do something exciting. Do something new. Yeah, this feels dangerous and like there's not a huge amount of payoff is the only thing. You don't like the it, idea of having... like It's it's like the it's, wardrobe in the, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe that takes you through to Narnia. Only instead of going to uh-huh. Narnia, it's just a sheer drop. And I can't emphasize how <laughs> sheer this drop is to him. You look down, yeah, it's right. just straight down. 90 degrees, just a... I like Nothing when I was when I was visualizing it last night. It was so vivid in my mind. I had yeah. that fearful sensation you get when you're up high and you go, "Whoa!" Like, um, I just want to see this really sheer drop, just thirty three floors. I, I I could say it all day. Uh, of course, that wasn't what happened. He'd, he'd installed a wardrobe, and um, well, no, I mean, no, no, don't don't shy away from this because I want to stay in this. Is part of the allure for you the possibility that someone actually could drop down there, or is it is it just sort uh, of the yeah. visuals? I mean, if we want to, yeah, it's both. The visuals certainly are arresting, but I think if we want to break down the psychology of it, I suppose there is an underlying notion that either one of the characters or myself could wind up stumbling through the double doors to our grisly demise. Um, and I guess, you know, in some sense or, you know, way that there is appeal in that idea to me, which suggests mm-hmm. that the rosy watch that I was describing earlier has in fact opened up some pretty dark passageways in my mind. No, that's okay. Because, uh, I think coping mechanism is, is the word you used before. And I think that's right. And this is what the human psyche will naturally do. When faced with some pretty oppositional circumstances, it will go, okay, I can't change this. What I can change is myself. So what you've done is you've managed to kind of judo flip the movie and uh, insert your own fun in there. And if that's what you need to get you through, I'm here for you. I support you. And I think you're doing a great job. Well, you know, thank you. And it does change that last reunion scene towards the end of the movie when they both go to the apartment to pick up the shoes because instead of having a beautiful like moment where they realize the error of their ways and that they are meant for each other at the end of the film what we've got is a double suicide yes i see there's something about and this is probably my um Marxism showing a little bit, but there's something beautiful about the visuals of, of that sort of thing transpiring on Fifth Avenue. Because isn't that like a real center of wealth on Manhattan? It would be, yeah, I mean, it would upset a few commuters um, and presumably, you know, rubbernecking tourists. Um, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want that to happen to the characters. That would be a disaster. Absolutely but not. I what I am looking for is ways that this movie can deviate and... Um, for better or worse, that's what I came up with. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> that stems from. I got really cross. Um, I, I, I'm sure we've done it before, but when you know, after that big wedding photo shoot, when uh, that song by who's singing that song, the the the, the Fergie ripoff of Glamorous or whatever, Ciara, is that I think. the click, click click flash click yeah click and flash carries clothes. Yeah, yeah. Carrie's wearing all sorts of different wedding dresses, and then the you know it transitions to her, her, her and her apartment, and saying, and then the impossible happened, and then it's a message from Vivian Westwood saying, "This is I saw you in the dress. This is your dress." And I was just like, "In the this is not impo- in the world of the film. This is not the impossible." Car- Carrie has literally been handed everything she mm. could reasonably want from the outset of this movie. There has been no challenge, no hardship. We're just watching. 
uh, a character just have... That's a good point. You've brought up the thing about the dress before, but what you've just said there is right. In a movie, you want to see someone doing something. But Carrie, who is the central protagonist here, doesn't do anything. Things just sort of seem to happen to her, and the things are quite nice, except for being stood up at the altar. But that's well, yeah, kind but, of it. But prior to that, it's like, it, it, in her world, there is nothing unlikely or impossible about Vivian Westwood giving her a dress. She just bought a penthouse apartment on Fifth Avenue. She's engaged to the man of her dreams. She's maintaining these friendships with uh, her three core friends, even though they appear to have less and less in common. She's a Vogue model all of a sudden. Yeah, and then... um. Exactly, yeah, she's a Vogue model now. And then it's like, and then, then I don't know, it's it's sort of that faux... Really? Hu- see, doesn't it? Faux modesty. Mm. It's like, just acknowledge that your life's going great. Don't say, and then the impossible happened. And you go, yeah, and then, because I was on a real fucking tear, I got a free dress. And if Vivian Westwood thinks I'm posting a, spa, a hashtag spawn post on Instagram, she's fucking mistaken. I'm taking this one for free. I mean, the whole movie's hashtag spawn, hashtag ad, hashtag love. You know what struck me this week was the um, sheer amount of Starbucks in it. Because yeah. I, I never really... Um, they did a good job, I guess. It's so wedded into the fabric of the film that I didn't really notice it as standing out like I would with an Adam Sandler movie. Because it, it was pretty in the DNA of the film. But there's so much Starbucks in this. Yeah. Oh. What, are the ones, what, are the, what are the other products you've noticed? To me, it's all liquids. Starbucks, Smart Water, Vitamin Water. Those are the, those are the trio. The Holy Trinity of Spawn. Um, it would make sense to me that back then Sex in the City had enough sort of clout and uh, whatever, my vocab's not so great on two hours sleep, um, that Louis Vuitton probably paid for that glorious sort of worshipping at their feet about the bag and whatnot. Yeah. Um, who else? Maybe Sotheby's? Oh, wait, no, what was it? Christie's, the auction house at the start? Yeah. Although, that's more of a location, so they probably paid for that. Maybe there was some sort of contra arrangement where they didn't have to pay for the location as long as they'd splashed the name around a little bit in the logo. Yeah, all those all those fashion houses that she reels off in that wedding, wedding yeah, true. photo shoot, those are, that's all spawn, right? So naked, isn't it? Do you know, this is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should... I probably shouldn't say this on the pod, but I will. I um, caught up with a, uh, a mate... Sort of a, yeah, you know, a light mate. Mate light yesterday. An acquaintance. A strong acquaintance. And uh, that person I'm very was, interested in this phrase. Yeah, I will, I, would, I will let you know who it is afterwards. Um, that person was describing to me, I think, I didn't want to dwell on it because it was kind of awkward, a situation where they are um, sort of independently wealthy uh, through entrepreneurial pursuits. And we're talking about um, buying a scene in a movie. <laughs> From a um, from a pretty well known New Zealand director, uh, Tiger. Um, that not that they had done this or anything, or that they're in conversations with Tiger, but like that was their pledge. They were just like, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna um, because I'm not getting a lot of auditions and stuff. So what I think I do is I'll fund a scene, and then people can see that I can act. <laughs> and I was like, what? I <laughs> like you mean you just throw money at a film so you can be in it, and that's that's, that's acting now. <laughs> But that's great. I mean, what say we transplant that idea, which is absolutely batshit insane? <laughs> it's so crazy, eh? I mean, because like, what, what sort of that person I mean, said it like it was the most normal, yeah. Like, every day, this is this is how our films get made. Everyone just buys their scene, their one I, scene, I mean, and you click it all together like a jigsaw puzzle. Tyker specifically, I imagine, is not exactly hard up for cash. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what the number you would have to offer at which that becomes undeniable, but. What say we transplant this concept of buying screen time as a showreel? Uh, where would you insert yourself into Sex in the City and what would you be doing in your scene? Uh, I mean, there's so much of myself that just wants to pay to be a walk-on spot and fuck up the shot, but disallow them from having any other takes so they have to use it. So I'm just barreling the camera at the back while Big's on one knee in a Starbucks or some shit. And they, um, have, to, they have to use one of your takes because you've paid yeah. such a hefty amount of money. Exactly. Do you know what I'd I'd enjoy actually as well? Be a bit of me is being one of the interviewed assistants for Carrie, like another Peter Kim of Peter Kim Peter Kim dot com fame. Yeah, a version of that. Like, and I'd come in, 
Uh, I think because not enough people have an idea of like a super stereotypical New Zealander. So I'd go Aussie and I'd attempt a very broad Australian accent and wear a cork hat. (laughs) And I think I'd really pop off the screen. I mean, it's your your show reel to use how you want. So I respect that. I I feel like you're not maximizing it. Do you know my one I think would be, um, I would pay to feature in every scene that is set in a coffee house and my role would be I'd just be frantically running around the background of frame, flipping over tables and asking everyone if they <laughs> knew where Coffee Guy was. <laughs> and so anytime the gals are out for a meal or whatever, you just see this yeah. character in the background just tearing through the cafe. Oh, I love that. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I imagine if not, uh, you know, making me necessarily more employable for future jobs, it would certainly leave an impact on... Um, on screen, on the extras, mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of intensity I'd bring to this, I, I can't even begin to articulate to you, Tim. I would, I would go whole hog. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Every now and then you do get a character or an actor, an actor's portrayal in a film that doesn't fit the rest of the film whatsoever. The one I always think of off the top of my head is The Room. And admittedly, like that movie's got countless issues with it in a really fun way but um uh there's a guy in that who looks like he is or he sounds like he's shaggy from scooby-doo from like a film adaptation of it and it kind of it's like he's from a whole other genre of movie and he's just walked off the wrong set into frame in this and started winging lines is there have you found anyone in sex in the city like this is there anyone this this watch that you thought what are you doing here? Get out of here. It's actually, for me, the strongest contender would be the woman with the loud glasses who sits behind Samantha at Christie's when she's bidding on the yeah. ring. She's not, I don't think she's good at acting. And I think she's so distracting uh, with her big movements and things. And she's right in the center of shot that it feels like she shouldn't be in the movie. Yeah. She looks like she she should be having uh, afternoon tea with my mum to me. When you described her then and the picture I have in my mind of her, it's like someone who's performatively reading a magazine. Yes. I'm like, I know you're not reading that magazine, Susie, you know. I imagine Charlotte, your mum, has a, a very wide array of friends because she is a very magnanimous and magnetic it's sort of a person, so I imagine she yeah. has a, a and the great words of broad sweep of mates, bonus of the heart, magnetic hot. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah, no, she she it's does a have scale. a. She's got a, a, a far-reaching, you know, assembly of chums. Um, yeah, that's, that's just that's just what I think. Should we do some could shining lights? That, yeah, could you see that woman in the mix with the other? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I can see her as she is in that costume with that auction house magazine, like sort of half engaging with the conversation, half engaging with the magazine, sailing straight through the middle, not quite nailing either. Um, she feels like a tatter to me, like she tats a lot. The sort of so friend who, if, if, if mum had her over, I'd, I'd, I'd go into whatever room they were sitting in and say hi for a few minutes and then... Even if I didn't actually have anything to do, I'd be like, oh, well, i got to go off and do this. Um, I was quite excited for my Shining Light this week, Tim, because it's something I've noticed and enjoyed before, but never articulated to you. And Mm -hmm. controversially, it's not even a person. It's a pen. Um, There is a Sharpie. And clipped inside of Carrie's dress and bra strap when they are doing the first wave of wedding planning with Charlotte and Anthony. I see it um, every watch. I've seen it before, and I've never paused to just say how much I love this pen. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of keeping a pen there. Like, I love the idea of people having pens on their person, especially in places that I can't have them. Um, yeah. And I, like, I love having a, a, a pen on me. I've always got a pen on me. I mean, I might not write anything down all day, but I've always got the option. And yeah, uh, yeah it shows up week in, week out. We don't give it its due credit. Uh, it's a fantastic pen. It's a great piece of it's, costuming. I mean, and it's to me, it it's is. a beautiful spot where costuming and props cross over. And, you know, it's probably one of the stronger collaborations in the film. Uh, and so when I saw that pen show up, I thought, yeah. Hell yeah. Man, a thousand percent I'm with you on that. I've seen that pen several times and it's a tasteful placement. It's on the inside. It's like when uh, women will put stuff in their bras, like credit cards and stuff, so they don't have to leave home with, with, a, with a big heavy wallet. Um, it's just a very practical, pragmatic. It adds to the scene. I really like, um, I believe it and it adds stuff. Sorry, my um, speech is a bit disjointed. I am getting messages on this phone, and some of them seem important, so I'm just putting my phone on Do Not Disturb so that I can hide myself from the world now. That's right. It doesn't intervene. Uh, yeah, but that that pen's a fucking strong contender for Best Supporting, I think, in this movie. Why don't so, we have Academy Awards each watch? For Best Supporting Prop? Just a whole plethora of awards. Let's let's give some awards away. It's kind of like a shining light style positive segment idea where we can we can roam around finding something to celebrate each time. Yeah, absolutely. and the winner is for best supporting prop this week in the twenty sixth watch of seventh watch hey, of six in the city twenty seventh. Congratulations, my friend. First step down the mountain. Ah, we're in the 27 Club now. I might die in the next couple of days before the next watch. Anything's possible. Oh, we're watching tomorrow, aren't we? Fucking hell. Oh. Oh, my Lord. This is so bad, man. Fuck, this is so bad. I can't even fucking describe the state i was in last night watching i i was in such a state there's no other word for it bleary-eyed exhausted just receiving radiation from a tablet an inch away from my fucking face trying to make sense of tiny red green and blue pixels attempting to communicate romance to me it is so fucked I'm coming apart at the seams. You really are. I mean, you're wearing a singlet today, which I think looks fantastic, but sort of speaks to I'm a man in, my in fuck crisis. Boy uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't had a shower. I look terrible, as you can. Uh, we're actually on video Skype today, which is rare. I do love the singlet, though. I bought it um, for a hike. I got it at Cotton On, which is, I don't normally shop there. It's one of those dreary fast fashion places where they've got slave labor to construct a cotton t shirt for $3 for you. But the reason why I love it is I walked in, I saw it, because I didn't have a singlet from a tramp, and it's got a picture of the Capitol building of the United States from Washington, D.C., which I have visited in person, and slathered on top of that image are the words San Francisco in huge, bold letters. And I thought, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but that is fucking funny. It's making you laugh right now, which I enjoy. It is. It is. It tickles me. It's so good. Hey, Guy, have you seen any other like movies lately that you enjoyed? 
I refuse to talk about that. Tim, what was your shining light? Oh, don't light? be a dick. Don't be a dick. Come on. I'll, <laughs> oh I'll tell God. you my shining light. You, you, my shining light. You were so scared just then. Oh, my God. I wasn't scared. I felt like I saw in, I saw into you. The don't be a dick thing. It, well, it wasn't like authoritative. It was pleading. It was like, please allow me to have this diversion. <laughs> my shining light this week and it's so weird that i remember it because i last night when i was watching i was like fuck i better write this down because there's no way that i'll recall it in the morning but i do crystal clear it's the moment when um louise from st louis and carrie are going through sort of the to-do list and carrie wants to know when they're going to get to unpacking the clothes in her closet or packing them in some shit sorting out the closet yeah and louise says one thing at a time um when were you going to check these emails? We've got a shot of Carrie and she does this kind of like half guilty, half resigned face and just sort of shrugs and says now. And it's, uh, I buy it. I buy it every, hey, every watch. That's cool. Yeah. Do you know the exact moment I'm talking about friend? Of course I do. Do you like it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I do, I do, I don't mind that scene. I, I, think I find Jen- it really cute that I, moment. I find it re- a really cute little moment from SJP. Uh, I'm noticing that we gravitate towards scenes that are in Carrie's old apartment. Um, I guess that could be related to the idea that these are scenes that uh, it's easier to be invested or believe in, or you know, transplant yourself into. Uh, I do know what you're describing. I think Jennifer Hudson was a breath of fresh air this week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Is the next thing she does is reads an email from John Preston. Um, John James Preston. Heingel Smith. Uh, yeah, I I was going to say something else, but I can't remember what it was. Um, Sorry, bud. No, nah, it's okay, man. I'm not too I came in with that it. middle name. I ankle tapped you when you were on a sprint. Not nah. a good thing to do. Nah, 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 nah. Look. Hey, guy, just a little update, mate. Um, this seems irrelevant. I think, Jesus, I think a hurricane might be coming or something. The weather has changed, um, like, instantly. The sky is darkened, and all of a sudden, there's a ton of leaves falling. It's Fuck, just... man, this is... I might check the internet or something, because this feels um, slightly apocalyptic. Like, it was really hot before, basically when I started the record. Now the sky is totally grey, and the wind just picked up all of a sudden. It scared my little dog, who's on the other side of the room on a pillow. He's come hung out with me now. It sounded like someone was trying to get into the studio at one point, that sort of, that banging noise. And it's just a big gust of wind. That is freaky, man. It's like a little uh, tornado. Well, the wind, the wind is crazy, isn't it? Because you can't, you can't see the wind. You can see the impact of the wind, but that's different from seeing the wind. You know, have you got your computer on you? I'm on my computer. You do me a favor. You look up the the weather for Auckland. Sure thing, Tim. I'll look up the weather <laughs> for Auckland. Thanks, mate. Um, what else to say about the watch last night? Who did I like? Um, no one is the answer to that. That can't be true. I, appreciate no it is i appreciated steve but i didn't i didn't like anyone i thought brady was a real shit actor this week that's very rude of you he's a child yeah try harder uh what you're looking at tim mm. you are looking is there a hurricane warning or anything no hurricane warning but there are gusts and you're about to experience some pretty intense showers until early afternoon thank you not a problem it's gonna st- think- it's, it's a subtropical storm it's gonna stay warm what do you think of Magda? We never talk about Magda. Yeah. Uh, I like her. She kind of like... I like her because I like the way that she's represented and I like that she sort of... I feel like she mumbles to herself and Miranda and Steve are so swept up in their own lives and problems that they don't catch a lot of what she's saying, but she's dropping bombs. <laughs> she's funny. She's got really firm opinions on these people. Like, they've so led her into their lives, and she's such a part of the fabric of their day-to-day that they've almost forgotten that she has total autonomy over her mind and thoughts and that uh, she is observing the things they do, and she's making some pretty harsh judgments. Uh It's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you get rich enough to have uh, full-time help, like a nanny for childcare or a cleaner who's in your house, like a lot of the time, um, I don't know if this is real life or just kind of a trope. I, as a poor person, will never know the joy of having like a full-time 
nanny or cleaner, I don't think. But uh, yeah, their autonomy starts to slip away in your own head, and it is a, a it's a it's a cool little rebellious thing that she's like, eh, these guys, they're no good. Yeah, Fuck yeah. these guys, when, when and she, I'm going to talk about it a little when bit. When she takes Brady to the bathroom, like when they're in that first Italian restaurant scene, she sort of starts, but she goes, I'm going to wash your beautiful face. But then yeah. I feel like as they're walking, she keep, like, I'd love the camera to just pick up and, and get off Steve and Miranda for a moment and just follow them in. Because I, re- I wouldn't be surprised to hear her sort of whispering, um, not outright like slander or things to alienate Brady from his parents, but certainly the opening statements, planning, sowing the seeds of discontent um, to try and, you know, exercise. I mean, and I understand why, you know, because in a sense, Brady is her child as well. She spends the most time with him during these formative years. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised to see whatever her own, dealings or plans for the world the city her life are uh her to sort of cross-pollinate those with brady and whom she probably sees and is training quite a powerful young ally do you see it as a splinter and ninja turtle style relationship of this sort of sensei parent figure imbuing them with Uh, martial arts powers somewhat although i do think down the line there is scope for brady to rebel in a way that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles never do against Splinter. Um, I think... That would be a good series, right? You know, because I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles started as comic book characters originally, and it would be a cool little um, series, like, you know, how Batman has the Dark Knight, just a little divergent series of the boys rebelling against Splinter. That would be a fun story to pursue, especially if Splinter was in the right the whole time, but maybe the Turtles couldn't see the bigger picture. Of course. I mean, but it's only natural. I mean, you know, they, they, they squabble with each other, these turtles, but uh, for teenagers, they are remarkably deferential towards authority. They really do respect the hell out of Splinter. And I think Brady does feel like that way about Magda right now. Um, I the mean, turtles it, are different ages, eh? Who's to say, man? Uh, I, do, I, I do. I like Magda. And I'm glad you asked because... Yeah. Um, she doesn't get her due credit in the film nor on the podcast. What, you, what, what nationality do you think Magda is? What Ukrainian? No, she well, she just says that when I first came, this was the this old is the old Ukrainian, Ukrainian area, yeah, um, neighborhood. Do you think she's yeah. from Ukraine? Absolutely. Where do you think she's Fuck, from? I want. I want. Well, I, I now I want to say Ukraine because I think it would be fun. Um, Cool that she got out. I wonder what her opinions on on Putin would be. Probably not good, I imagine. Uh, I've just Googled her. There's a Mm -hmm. 2018 interview with Cosmopolitan. Very cool. um, Which does not look insignificant. Uh, In which she says... She's 84 now, the the actor. Veteran theatre actress Lynn Cohen. She first appeared in a season three episode, memorably replacing Miranda's vibrator with a statue of the Virgin Mary and telling her that she'd need to learn to cook if she ever wanted a boyfriend. This, this rings a bell. This is the sort of backstory. I mean, this is why the movie gets to prop itself up and slap us in the face twice a week because yeah. that's a funny storyline. That's really Absolutely. good fun. That is really good fun. Yeah. Yeah, a bit more of that in the film, please. What are, any other lovely tidbits there? Uh... Lynn, now 84, says that Magda was only supposed to appear in that one episode, but eventually returned in season four and throughout the rest of the series and both movies. There's nothing like Sex in the City, says Lynn. I've never done another show like that where I found a dildo, although I'm still ready to find another dildo at another time. <laughs> That's awesome. Good on you, Lynn. Yeah. So um, is she American herself and it's just an accent that she's putting on by the, the looks of things? Does... Yeah, yeah. She's from Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. Um, on Magda's importance to the series, Lynn says, it showed a woman of a different age who was smart as the devil, very bossy, and also understood sexuality, and they needed that. It enlarged the canvas on which they were working, and they would not have a typical old lady molding away in some retirement home somewhere, but a woman who worked and didn't suffer fools. I say as an actress, you're never, better than, you're never any better than the person you're working with. And I was working with the best in Cynthia. So I must have been pretty damn good. 
Aw, that's so sweet. And I like that she's big up seeing both of them. That's really cool. Yeah. Fuck, man. They really pissed away so much goodwill that they built up through the series. Well, I eh? mean... It really is a tragedy. Our relationship is so um, unshakably poisoned and broken to it because they didn't build that... We didn't build that goodwill with the series. The series didn't build that goodwill with us. We just kicked the door down and said, hey, what the fuck's going on in here? And they said, well, we're making a movie, and if you want to enjoy it, there's about 10 years of context that would really help you along the way. We said, no, 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 we're cool. We'll just watch the movie. It's uh, like judging a suburban party of like you know neighbours getting around hanging out by the orgy that happens at 2am that you walk in on. It's like, no, 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 you've missed Monopoly. Of, yeah, you've, yeah, yeah. you've missed uh, several bottles of wine. Um, some old records that have been passed around, maybe a doobie or two for old times' sake. And, you know, a lot of revelations about people being curious in their existing relationships yeah. and wanting lo- to just kick the tires on that a little bit. There's a lot you of can't co- judge it just by the orgy alone. <laughs> you can't judge an orgy by its... No, it doesn't quite work. But I know what you're saying. There's a lot of context here. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tim... Should we check in with Steve? Briefly? Yeah, I suppose we should... Uh, Steve doesn't want to bother these people, or so he says. But would a man who doesn't want to bother anyone take his shirt off and reveal a Z etched across his chest in the form of Zorro? Oh. That's right. Antonio Banderas has taken a peyote trip and is running around New York City with the actual prop from the, the Legend of Zorro and marking literally anyone he comes across. Steve... Uh, I don't know why in this particular moment, but he has an aversion to authority. He has an aversion to getting uh, the police or anyone involved. He turns to the only people he knows. He says, I don't want to bother you people, but Antonio Banderas is freaking out right now, and I really need your help. Yeah. Well, um, Steve, I'm sorry. Do you think he's bleeding out or it's super clean? He's going to bleed out. Okay, all right. Well, that's probably about enough of that. Any any other business we need to tend to? Uh, come and watch me doing comedy. Uh, I was part of the problem before we were talking about it. Happening in Australia and New Zealand right now. Just Google mm. Guy Montgomery and whichever Australian or New Zealand city is relevant to your placement in the world. And hopefully there'll be tickets available. I'm funny. I've- it's good. Uh, if you go to littleempirepodcast.com slash live, we've got everyone's shows on there. I think I've got all your shows on there, Monty. Hey, nice. Pretty sure. So uh, check that out. You can also buy tickets for Worst Idea of All Time coming to Melbourne to do a live show. I imagine we'll probably do one during the New Zealand Comedy Fest as well, but Deets will be later down the track for that. And uh, yeah, why don't I... Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do it, Guy. Now you will be hearing um, the Radio New Zealand interview between myself and Jesse Mulligan checking in on me after I tweeted out to the world um, despair about this project. Thanks for listening. Thank you in particular to those who support us on Patreon. You guys make this possible. Love you. And here's that chat. Watching the same terrible film each week for a year sounds like torture. But for New Zealand comedians, Tim Batts, and Guy Montgomery, it is the basis of their aptly titled podcast, The Worst Idea of All Time, which they record each week. If this is ringing bells, we have chatted about it before on the show, previous seasons. Uh, Tim Batt, one of the podcast hosts, joins me now. Hi there, Tim. Hey there, Jesse. How are you doing? Great, thanks. Uh, year one was a movie called The Grown Ups 2. Correct. What was year two? Year two was Sex in the City 2, the yep. movie. Yeah. Year three. Year three, we did a Zac Efron film, uh, which was supposed to be a vehicle for him and his artistic miracle, We Are Your Friends, which holds several records for its lack of box office performance. Lost a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> yeah. And, and what are you uh, doing this here year? We are. We're looking down the barrel of season four. We're actually midway through it right now doing two watches every single week of Sex in the City 1. We thought we thought that would be a fun twist on it because we've already done the second film. Oh, yeah. Twice a week. And when did you, when did you begin? Uh, we began just before Christmas. Okay. Um, but it turns out the twist wasn't so fun as it was 
um, I feel like a lot of cries for help are going out at the moment. My, my mental shape is not good. Yeah, that's the reason I've got you on the show, because I saw your tweet last night saying that you didn't know if you thought you could do it anymore. I'm worried about yeah, you. Yeah, I really I appreciate you reaching out as well. It's important that we all look after each other out there, and I, did, I sort of sent a bit of a distress um, flare on Twitter saying that I, I didn't know I could watch it one more time. I've already watched it 26 times. Um, so far inside one calendar year, and it's uh, it's bringing me down, man. But th- this is this is the agreement. This is what we signed up for for the podcast. Where are you calling us from, Tim? It's extremely loud behind you. It is, and I apologise for that. That's the sound of progress. Um, I'm actually inside of Britomart, and you're hearing the uh, I think the CityLink rail network being constructed around me. So uh, my my apologies for that. But it, it gives it a nice sense of atmosphere, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's a good. So now, Sex in the City 2, uh, which was uh, a couple of years ago that you were watching that, that was a famously bad film, but I don't seem to recall Sex in the City, the original, being so reviled by uh, pundits and viewers. Um, is, it a, is it a terrible film, or is it just not for you? Here's the thing about that. I think the television series had built up so much goodwill by being legitimately groundbreaking, really funny, really well written, and having this phenomenal ensemble cast of all women, uh, which was a, a pretty novel concept in the 90s, that a lot of that goodwill carried over to the first film. So I think a lot of people overlooked how atrocious it was. Um, as depressed as I am to be watching the first one over and over again at the moment, the second movie is still worse, but the first movie is a undeniably terrible piece of cinema. Mm. And um, the reason you're doing this, well, you might be able to tell me some other reasons, but the primary reason is that you're making a podcast and it's quite fun for other people to watch you suffer week after week. Tell us something about the success of the podcast so far. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't ask in that, that run of questioning on going, why are you doing this? Because we still haven't got a good answer for that. <laughs> but um, whatever the rationale was, we have managed to clock up over 10 million downloads. Um, wow. I've managed to go over to the States about four times now doing live shows and podcast conventions. We've been to um, Los Angeles, New York, Portland, Oregon, lots of fun places like that. Uh, we actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but it was a little while ago now, we made a pilot for a TV show version of the podcast with wow. YouTube. Wow. They decided the idea was not for them after <laughs> they spent a considerable amount of money um, funding the pilot. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's a success in its own right, even if it doesn't get picked up to um, have that sort of backing. Now, tell me... You know what's a better success, though? Getting yeah. a TV show. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, you've, you've had your own TV show. It's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? you know that it's lots of fun, though. Come on. What is the worst thing about watching Sex in the City, the movie, twice a week? So the thing is, it's quite unique now because Guy Montgomery has moved to New York City. He's relocated himself. My, my best pal in the world, my comedy partner, my comedy wife, he's gone abroad to chase his dreams. And as a result, both of us are now watching the movie totally in isolation. Mm-hmm. So the time zone's really tricky. And what's happening most of the time as I wake up at 7am and just have to start watching this film <laughs> It's a terrible way to start the day. Yeah, it's terrible. It really takes the, the shine off the whole day. And uh, it's the only possible time slot where New York can sync up with New Zealand. So it's, it's grim. It makes for a really grim start to the day. Oh, so you have to watch it at the same time. Are you, are you on Skype or something? No, we just, we've got these arbitrary rules that we like to try and follow as much as we can. So it's, I think it makes for a better product if people can hear us immediately coming off the back of the watch so it's still raw. Um, it's, it's sort of for accuracy of capturing our emotional state. So it's unfettered. So what's the worst thing about the film and, and about watching it other than the time zone and, and the non-ideal viewing conditions? What is it about the film that's wearing you down? Jesse, without question, it's the length. Um, the film is two and a half hours. I've actually watched it so many times now that I've been able to pinpoint there's a movie at the film that I think comes at one hour 42, where if they stopped the movie right then and rolled the credit, it would actually be a, quite a great ending, but they've tacked almost a full another hour onto the movie. It is insanity. Wow.
And were you serious that you're not sure if you can keep it up? Kind of, yeah. I mean, we've, we really went through um, depths of despair that I wasn't used to or had experienced before when we were watching Sex in the City 2, and that was only once a week. Now we've ramped up the intensity by doing two watches every week. Admittedly, the movie is slightly not as bad, but um, it's a pretty low bar to be able to pass. So, I, I don't know. We're at the midway point now, man, and it's not feeling great. It's not feeling great at all. We believe in you. You've got lots of fans out there. And, look, there's most people listening probably don't enjoy their job all of the time. This is your job. Think of it, it like a job. It Think is. of it as, as like the first couple of hours a day uh, when you could be in an office sat next to someone you can't stand and someone's just heated up their fish curry in the microwave. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely right. And that is how I'm trying to frame it in my head. And the, the flip side of it is we do get a huge amount of mail from people all over the world who listen, who go, hey, um, I listen to your podcast while I'm doing my PhD research, while I'm driving to work for two hours, while I'm doing this menial job that I don't really like. And it's it's nice to know that our suffering is bringing a uh, dispersed amount of joy out there on the globe. So it almost makes it worth it, but I, <laughs> I don't know if it's quite at the threshold. Nice to talk to you, Tim. The podcast is called The Worst Idea of All Time, if you'd like to listen to it. And um, thanks for your time today. Thank you for reaching out, Jesse. I appreciate it. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out. I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.